0: rank squad and welcome to ranks fc it's your champions league takeaway here straight after the champions league games on wednesday night my name is jack collins and i'll be your host there and joining me is our transfer guru champions league guru everything guru mr dean jones how you doing mate
2: i'm your rank squad mate that's what i am mate I'm, I'm i'm your pal from the rank squad yeah i'm good mate i'm good it was uh an interesting night. I wouldn't say one of the best Champions League nights I've ever seen, but there's been plenty of storylines. I don't think it's been of one of the best
0: lines. Champions League weeks we've ever yeah. seen. It wasn't, it wasn't one that set the world alight with storylines, but there's been enough to, enough to discuss, I thought.
2: Yeah. We'll get through an episode, I can tell you that. Um, there's uh, enough to talk about. Yeah. We'll, we'll start on tonight's uh, Wednesday action, and then we'll. Uh, I'm going to stick the boot into Man United later in the show. So that's worth hanging around for in it itself.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, Let's start with the early kickoff tonight. And let's start Well, one of the early kickoffs. Let's start with Barcelona, who won 2-1 against Shakhtar. Mm. The Nets get the Olympic Stadium in Barcelona. And my big takeaway, DJ, is that La Masia is back. Firmin Mm. Lopez ran this game. He absolutely ran this game. He scored Barcelona's second setup. Barcelona's first with a volley that crashed against the crossbar, Uh, and Ferran did very, very well to put away, to be fair to him. He also hit the other post, had a goal disallowed for offside, and was just generally absolutely brilliant. And you kind of see all these kind of moments when we're talking about Gavi being out with suspension, we're talking about Pedri being out. Obviously, Pedri wasn't a La Masia graduate per, per se, he joined from Las Palmas, but the amount of youth coming through in this setup and obviously we saw Mark, you, Score at the weekend, the winner against Athletic Club. He could have scored here as well. Casado came on in the midfield. We know they brought Romeo back, who's a La Masia graduate. Balde came on. It's just this constant stream of talent. And I have even gone into Lamine Yamal, who actually had one of his quieter games.
2: Mm. Yeah, exactly, mate. I mean, obviously it was all about you at the the weekend, um, but... Attention quickly has turned to another product straight out the academy. A 20-year-old this time, so uh, in Barca terms, he's a bit of a a veteran, really, in terms of age. (laughs) But um, in in terms of how many games he's played, he's certainly not. But he's been a revelation with some of his performances uh, so far that we've seen. And to get man of the match in the Champions League means he's now leveled up. He's gone up a stage, and now we can start expecting to see more from him. Fantastic goal, like loved seeing the replays of it too, like a, just a lovely moment. Um could have had at least one more goal, c- certainly. But just a brilliant all round display uh from him. And Ferran Torres was really good as well. Um yeah, probably joins him in, in uh, taking the honours here. But you're right to point out Lamaziere as um the real theme of Barcelona at the moment, obviously like they were they're using um their their youth products to Get them out of jail when other teams are relying on, well, players that typically cost a lot, a lot of money. And Barcelona have got those too, but they're using the youngsters to to good effect at the moment. And um, we're starting to get a taste too, obviously, of, of what's going to be coming in future years. So. A great result, obviously Barcelona are playing against Real Madrid at the weekend, which is getting tastier by the day, to be honest with you. I mean, I know it's not like one of the greatest encounters of all time that we're going to see between those two teams, but it's definitely becoming more intriguing.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I thought so. It was it, it was a really good first half from Barcelona, I thought, and they really dominated across the course of it. And in the second half, they got a little bit lackadaisical. They probably should have got a third goal, didn't get it, got caught on the break. For Shakhtar to pull one back, and it probably made it a little bit nervier than they would have hoped for. You'd imagine you're looking at Real Madrid yesterday and thinking exactly the same thing about their game with Braga, and that yeah. they would have hoped to have killed that off and not had to deal with the the kind of onslaught at the end, but both have had to do that. So obviously they're a day apart, that might have an impact. But generally they've had pretty similar midweeks, I think, mm. when you when you kind of look at this. But i got to say, it, it was it, it really was kind of we've had Jamal's breakout moment where he became Spain's youngest scorer, he became Barcelona's youngest debutant in the Champions League. All of these kind of awards have been going his way. Fermi Lopez was kind of the guy who jumped out in pre-season, right? Because he scored that brilliant goal in El Clasico, in the friendly El Clasico, if if there is such a thing, in the States. And he scored a wonder goal there and everyone was like, okay, who the hell is this kid? But, Mm. you know, 12 of this squad today were La Masia graduates. That is incredible. And as you say, Barcelona have spent money. They have activated those financial levers. We're seeing big names. Joao Felix played you know, on the other flanks. So it's not that Barcelona are doing cheap deals for for nobodies. They are still bringing in stars. But I just thought that for him to step up there and make that difference in a midfield, which looked a little bit shaky at times, Romeo got caught out for the Shakhtar goal. You'd imagine there'll be kind of wholesale changes in here before El Clasico in, in those kind of regards. But with all of that said, for a young man to step up and in in a game where, you know, as you say, few others really did. Barcelona were good, but the standout displays are very much Firmin and Ferran. And maybe that's going to become a thing. Maybe the two Fs are going to be a couple of boys that, that make yeah. a difference regularly for Barcelona. Yeah. And I think it changes kind of how you approach the because I don't think Firmin will start this game. But mm-hmm. that said, you now know that you can throw him on there with 20 minutes, galon, you know, 20 minutes left, 25 minutes left. And you know that he's going to put in a performance for you because of what he's done in his brief Barcelona career so far. And that's got to be something that Xavi, you know, can fall back on time and time again in these moments. And there are going to be games after a Glasgow where Barcelona have less pressure on them. And the ability for these players, even if it's injury crisis forced, to actually have that faith in them and, and to drop them into these situations and, and feel like they are flying in these situations it is a massive plus. And La Masia, the production line, feels hugely like it is right back on track.
2: Yeah, and while we're talking about um, emerging talent, let's give a shout out to Sudakov who, who scored the goal for Shakhtar. This this is a player that uh, we're all going to be hearing a lot more about. Um, I've been writing about him recently because I've been speaking to a couple of people in the game who uh, a lot of scouts are watching him. Basically, him they've had their eye on on Sudakov for. A while now, um, obviously given Shakhtar's um, awkward situation in um, and, and footballing terms, let alone um, world terms, because of what's gone on in Ukraine, he's he's been very limited uh, in, in what he's been able to do in terms of being able to hit his ceiling and growth potential, so he's been held back a little bit, but... He's had a lot of people looking at him. Um, took his goal well here, but he's he's a player that he's just so easy on the eye. Um, yeah, I know that Arsenal have got an eye on him. Man City have got an eye on him. Uh, Brighton have got an eye on him. Juventus really like him. Uh, Sosudakov, he's twenty one. Um, yeah, definitely, you'll you'll be hearing more about this guy potentially in January. Um, I, I wouldn't completely rule out the fact that he could go then, but most likely I think the end of the season we'll be seeing this lad get, get a big move.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah, it was his first Champions League goal. He's had a couple of years where he hasn't, not broken out, That's not that, that wouldn't be fair considering the situation around him, but I think he, he lit up a couple of unders tournaments a, a little while back and everyone was like, ooh, this kid could be something. And you know, he's gone that stage from 19 to 21. And we're not talking about players getting old here because... He's 21 years old. But equally, when you see Lamine Mar coming in at 16 and you see Mark Yu coming in at 17, you're like, oh, okay, these guys have got four years on you. you know, you're know, going to have to step up, and he did today. So, yeah, uh, some credit there as well. Let's move on from Barcelona. And I know you had an eye on Newcastle against Dortmund, which ended 1-0 to Borussia Dortmund. But I got a text from my brother saying it was the maddest 1-0 he's ever seen in his entire life.
2: it was a very very entertaining game mate and I'd say like one big takeaway from it would be that it was great to see two teams who know what a privilege it is to play Champions League football I think that we can all take this level of football for granted at times and the teams that we're often watching um, are just used to being there Um, and while Dortmund you know have a certain expectation to be on this stage and Newcastle have been craving the day they got back here I think Dortmund still appreciate what it means to to be um competing at this level and obviously this group is so competitive they're they're in group F along with uh, PSG and AC Milan it was billed as the group of death and it's absolutely living up to its billing i mean it's still open PSG look like they're going to win the group at top at the moment because they got a 3-0 win over AC Milan tonight which is a big win for them um but yeah um Newcastle have lost 1-0 to Borussia Dortmund. They, they play each other again very quickly for the return fixture um, over in Germany. And it's, it's a match with with so much hanging on it now. Nemecha um, was the guy that, that, that proved the difference here. Um, very intriguing. He is a player that Newcastle themselves looked at signing um, as, as part of their big old Saudi overhaul. Um, he went on to Dortmund. It was an unbelievable goal. Like Schlotter, Schlotterbeck, brilliantly wins the ball back. They break away and then Schlotterbeck tees up Nemecha for the for the goal and he takes it absolutely superbly. What I would say is that probably there was just that... Look, Newcastle have been outstanding and they could definitely have got something out of this game. There was loads of chances for them, from them. There were just moments in the game where perhaps they just don't have the experience yet of these games or the players there, Isak came off early and there, there were just moments thinking, oh, they just haven't quite got the players that can control this moment or make the most of this moment. And such, such a thin line between success and failure on this stage. And Newcastle, look, I'm, I'm not taking too much away from here because they're, they're doing great. Like to be back in the Champions League and actually competing, back they're doing great. Back as well,
0: right? They're, they're, well, they're on the same points as Borussia Dortmund, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is still very open.
2: And and it's very open, and but I, it just it just feels like Newcastle just maybe turn it up one more level when you're there. Like they're they're just slightly under. I mean, Anthony Gordon I thought was great. I mean, he did get dispossessed for the goal, but I'm, I hold that against him. I thought Gordon put in a really good performance all round. I mean, mate, it was pouring down with rain. I mean, the conditions were were atrocious, but it it was your brother saying it was a maddest game, mate. It was so into it the first half was so entertaining it was so open and that's what I mean like you could just see what it meant to both of them to be out there and to know I think it's helped by knowing what's up for grabs here like they've both got a massive opportunity here to make the knockouts of the Champions League and it's great that Newcastle aren't willing to just like sit deep and hit someone on the break like they're willing to open up a little bit and when I talk about not having that now (laughs) maybe that's part of their problem maybe they should maybe they should make themselves a bit more stern but they go for it Wouldn't and they, be they, as they, fun
0: they press it high near as fun anyhow. Yeah. Yeah.
2: exactly yeah exactly tenali played tenali came off the bench and could I'll be the tell last time what,
0: we see him for a long time
2: it could be yeah so t- a tenali with a, t- a 10 month uh ban pending i'll tell you what he kept it at one nil because there was a moment when dortmund looked like they were going to score and tenali produced this unbelievable like so kind of like a back heeled clearance, superb it was, um but yeah, I was thinking as I was watching it, I was like we we might not be seeing this lad again for a while, but um yeah it was it was a good game mate, but I, th- I think that the the underlying takeaway is that 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 match now going back to Dortmund for a big head to head, basically it's probably determining which team joins p s g in the next round,
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, Newcastle will look at that and obviously will hope that Izak's injury isn't too serious. But, you know, from the, the bits I caught on on the goal show, it wasn't one of the ones I was keeping full eyes on at this point. And maybe it should have been, but I knew you were covering it. So I thought yeah. I'd, I'd let it slide a little bit more. Um, but there just seemed a couple of opportunities for for Wilson where he didn't, you know, he, he isn't Alexander Izak. They're very different players. Wow. And I don't really mean that as a, as a kind of criticism of him, to be honest. They're just very different players. And you think if Izak's on there, Maybe Newcastle score. Maybe at one all, this game opens right up, and anyone can win it. And it looks for both sides, yeah. but it would have just given it an, a new lease of life. And Saint James's Park was trying to suck the ball into the net at the Gallagher End by the end, but you know, not to be. But it kind of really kicks Dortmund's you know season into life. And I saw a thing beforehand that Borussia Dortmund have the most points per game across all competitions in 2023 of any club in the top five leagues in Europe. You know, more than Man City. More than Atleti, who had a brilliant, obviously, second half of last season and a good start to this season. So, you know, Edin Terzic is going to be, you know, last year will be remembered for the moment of missing the title. But it is worth remembering that whilst Borussia Dortmund haven't been sensational at the start of this year in the Bundesliga, they are still grinding out results and there is something about this team that has a bit of resolve about it. And I think it's it's easy to forget when you look at the shiny new toys in the Bundesliga. Obviously, everyone's very excited about Javi Lonson's Leverkusen. Stuttgart coming from nowhere to suddenly be right up amongst it is mm. really cool. Harry Kane being at Bayern is interesting. Borussia Dortmund are still there. Or thereabouts and, and yeah. I wouldn't write them off just yet if they're producing performances like this.
2: No what I would say I mean that that goal I mean this is their third Champions League game of the season that was their first goal of the season in the Champions League mm-hmm. I tell you what you weren't sure it was coming there was a double save that Nick Pope had pulled off uh from Marlon and Falker I think it was uh, extraordinary like it was unbelievable this double save uh that the Pope made and um so it was, it was very difficult to, to find the breakthrough, but this is another story of the, of this group because uh, as I say PSG are top and they're also the top scorers in this group, but yeah, Dortmund have only scored once. Newcastle scored four times in this group and AC Milan have not scored a goal yet yeah. in the Champions League. So again, another reason that Newcastle will be optimistic if they can go to Germany and get some sort of result that they are actually going to make it through.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you want to flip to the other game in this group, that PSG Milan game? Because this was a thumping win for PSG and one that felt very needed. And obviously three goals, very, very smart. All of them, I thought, had another one ruled out for offside. PSG starting to find some gears and this Milan side, back-to-back losses to Juventus and PSG now. Now, no one's going to hold that kind of result against Milan, I don't think, especially with the red card at the weekend. But they're two kind of results that are a little bit like, ooh, they want to see a knockout blow here because that feels like Milan on the canvas.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big win. I mean, 3-0 is, is resounding and convincing. And uh, Milan in the first half um, just offering very little. I mean, there was a couple of flashes, one from Liao in particular that you thought might um, might give them some belief and some momentum in the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah milan just lack that that drive and that belief that they they're, they're going to score goals and they're just blunt mate it's a bit like watching fulham at the moment to be honest would you watch watching 18 milan in the champions league that they, they just haven't got uh, that verve about them and uh, mbappe scores a great goal to put them put them in control uh, takes it it brilliantly and then once calemwani makes it 2-0 um their game's dead, to be honest. There was no way in that moment that AC Milan were coming back from it. Um, they, they wrapped things up late on with a third, but it was it was actually more good work. Um Zaire Emery, by the way. I mean, we've obviously talked about Zaire Emery oh, before. I want to talk you? about
0: him in a minute, so we'll come back to him.
2: But he's, he's just a ridiculous footballer, absolutely ridiculous player. Um, but look, mate, PSG just completely dominated the game. Um, it's the sort of performance. Obviously, PSG have had a stop-start season this year. They haven't been consistent. They're not top of Ligue 1, which is weird. Um, but there's more to come from this team. We've talked before about what an exciting summer they had, and we've seen all the signings that they made. They're taking time to blend. Um, when this team takes off, they they will be something special. And uh, Luis Enrique's got something uh, up his sleeve, I think, as as the further we get uh, into this competition, but also into the season generally.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love this midfield three. I'm a big fan of Agate before he made this move when he was playing in the Primaida. And I thought that that was a very, very sensible pickup from PSG, considering they felt like they'd lacked that physical presence perhaps in, in the middle of midfield. But Vitinha and Zaire Emery in front of him, it's got to be one of the most exciting pairings in world football at the moment. And, and the way that the three of them dominated this very hardworking, but also very talented Milan three in the middle. You know, Yunus Musa I felt, looked a bit leggy after that running around for 90 minutes sort of hopelessly against Juventus. And again, hopelessly here isn't a criticism of him. It was just that it felt like Milan were ball chasing for lots of that. Krunic is a very, very capable footballer and Reinders has been phenomenal since he's joined in the summer. So this was a a midfield that you go, okay, here's a test for you, BSG. And as you say, they're growing into this era under Luis Enrique. And he is such a stickler for having teams that work in exact positions and, and work down the lines and make those patterns and combinations work that you have to be a pretty special player, I think, to be part of this Luis Enrique midfield. And we're talking about Vitinha, who's in his second season in Paris and is, what, 23 years old? And Zaire Emery, who is 17. And they look so comfortable in these roles and the ability to step in. This was a summer where they lost Marco Verratti. Now, whether you agree with that decision or not, that Enrique said, you're not going to play for me. Verratti was an unbelievable servant for PSG. And on his day, I think one of the best sort of ball-playing midfielders that we've seen in a long time. You know, you've heard Xavi talk about how he was born to play for Barcelona. He never Mm. did, but he was held in that kind of esteem. So for these two to step in here at such tender ages, Zaire Emery in particular, and drop this kind of performance against AC Milan in the Champions League, a team that PSG had never beaten in four attempts before tonight in the Champions League across a couple of different seasons, I think is, is remarkable. And and to be honest, it, it just all credit because he seems to have found what he wants to do here. Now there are obviously going to be changes. There's so much talent in this side in Fabian Ruiz and Carlos Soler, who all have a little bit more experience, but actually watching them play together, it, it's a delight in so many different ways.
2: Yeah, absolutely. mate. Um it's, it's, I, I am, right, what is the levels he's playing at for his age is just absolutely stupid. I mean, We've already given uh its flowers again uh, in this show, but th- there's just so many, so many amazing young players here. In fact, I think we should do a pod soon.
0: Well, some young players that we'd like to talk yeah. about. So- sounds about right to me. Should we start <laughs> the round up? Uh, yeah, I want to yeah. start with the other early kickoff where would beat Lazio 3-1. This was the Santi Jimenez show uh, once again. So obviously he's absolutely on fire in the league. I think he's got 13 in nine games in the Eredivisie for Feyenoord, he was banned for first the first two of their games after getting sent off against Roma, of all people, in the Champions League, in the Europa League, sorry, in the, in the quarterfinals, I believe. And so he missed the first two games, and Feyenoord missed him as well. They didn't, you know, they didn't really hit skip a beat when they had to play against nine man Celtic, but it felt like they missed him in the Athletic game. And you kind of got to tonight and he went, hi, I've arrived on the Champions League (laughs) stage. He scores twice. He has another one ruled out. He is just such a complete number nine. And we're watching him going, wow, this kid's going to be an absolute superstar. Lazio must be absolutely sick of the sight of him. He scored three times in two games against them in the Europa League group stages last year. And now he scored another two tonight. He goes to Rome in two weeks' time. They must be like, get this boy away from me. I want nothing to do with him ever again. He's got five in three uh, against that. So they they just might be looking at him going, why us? Why us? But final, really good here, really really impressive. And started you know obviously missing him in these first two games. It did felt like they were lacking something, but suddenly it was like, oh wow, this team are back again and back doing. The right kind of things. Stengs and Pai Shao on the wings, I thought were were excellent. Um, and and you actually you look at, at Pai Shao, who felt like a bit part player when Feyenoord got to the Conference League final two years ago. He came off the bench, and everyone was a bit like, "Who is this random Brazilian winger?" And he has kind of upped and upped and upped his game. He's taken over from Ali Reza as that kind of first choice starter on that wing, and really really like him he's a really exciting player really dynamic really explosive makes things happen on a regular basis and it allows the rest of his team to just really thrive final are great fun and they're one of the teams in europe you're like oh should watch more of them they're, mm. they're loads and loads of fun there's still a lot of young players in this team um and Anna starts doing an absolutely phenomenal job i think with them so yeah i just wanted to give final some flowers Lazio are a bit of a mess, to be honest. I think they've been they've been bailed out by two late goals, obviously, in the last two games. The equaliser against Atleti from the goalkeeper, which was incredible, but still a bit of a one-off. Not going to happen every week. And then Pedro scores a late winner against Celtic, which felt very hard on Celtic after the performance. So for them to, you know, kind of finally get what felt like was coming to them this week, I, I really can't see how long this experiment continues for at the moment, because whilst I think Lazio are going to struggle to sack Sarri, and we talked about this on the, the Sacking or Saving Managers mm. episode, it, they are really struggling. So interesting to keep an eye on what happens there. Uh, Man City won 3-1 against Young Boys. Erling Haaland has broken his Champions League duck. He Ooh. scored a penalty. Um, and then he backed it up by scoring a wonderful third goal as well. But the goal of the game was the Young Boys goal, which actually leveled things up from Meshach Elia. He's had a couple of wonder goals now. And actually, if you look back through young worlds guys in the Champions League, Elliot steps up quite regularly and scores really good goals. This one, he races through on goal. Edison comes flying out to meet him um, and he just, just lifts it beautifully mm. over him. So calm. Absolutely cuts Manchester City apart. Brilliant goal. Um, but yeah, a city relatively comfortable once they would got back in the lead. Uh, had another one disallowed, which was a bit unfortunate to be honest, because it was a really good goal. Um, but Holland made sure of it late on, and City march on. No, no bother. Um, but it was it, it looked a bit shaky for a little one, and to be <laughs> really honest, it looked yeah. a little bit shaky in both of their games so far. Right, and they've, they've gone behind, they've had moments, but. They are they are there and they are nine points from nine yeah. and they are comfortable. So yeah, shouts out to City,
2: Celtic. I thought we were going to pick up a, a famous win, uh, but they didn't, did they?
0: <sighs> Hard this because Celtic scored two absolutely sensational goals. Like really brilliant stuff. The first goal that Kyogo scores is a just it's a sublime piece of team play yeah. to cut through Atleti, um, and then they get done by a bit of a stupid penalty to give away. Griezmann misses well joe hart tips the penalty under the post it's a really yeah. good save but it comes straight back out the griezmann who tucks it away no bother he gets two bites of the cherry um and it's a bit like ah oh, that happened and you're yeah. kind of looking at it going what comes next and Celtic go right back up the other side and lewis palmer who was denied a goal by the offside flag not against him but against Isamida in the lazio game when it was one all, and he thought he'd won the game for celtic and the place absolutely went mad he got his moment this time it's another absolutely sublime finish he is Fast becoming one of those players that you just kind of need to keep an eye on, and he is. I will give him this: the little Honduran is making that loss of Jota in the summer look okay, and that's a big, big praise from from that's true. Of anyone yeah. associated with Celtic because he was so good, Jota. But Luis has come in, and he's slowly kind of okay. We've got another one. And it is, yeah. it's, it's really cool. It's a good midfield of Hattete, McGregor and O'Reilly. It was a little bit unlucky, Hattete, in that he picked up what looks like a little bit of a knock. Rodrigo de Power gets sent off late on. Um, to equalize. It's a really good header from Morata. Brilliant play again from Griezmann. Um, Maratta makes it count. Rodrigo de Powell gets sent off with sort of 10 minutes to go. And Celtic just, it looks like it's like, oh, could you push through this? Could it, could it stick? And it, the ball just wouldn't fall. In the, in the final third, there were scuffles, there were scrambles. Atleti sort of started to slow the game down, as you absolutely would. This is not a criticism. Um, you have to do that when you're down to 10 and you're scrapping for your lives. But a shame that Celtic couldn't pick up all three here because it really did feel like an opportunity. Uh, they remain bottom of the group, one point. final now top on six, Atleti on five, Lazio on four. But I think Celtic will still fancy their chances against Lazio. They know that final have to come to Celtic Park. I'm not 100% sure they're going to look at the game against Atleti and think they can get anything. But I I wouldn't, not, I wouldn't put it against Celtic overtaking Lazio for that Europa League spot. So mm-hmm. there's enough to, enough to keep people interested in that group as well. Um, I'll go to Antwerp, who lost 4-1 to Porto. They took the lead, Antwerp, um, and it was really quite poor defending from from Porto in some ways. But Evan Nielsen, who's been kind of off the scene for a little while, he hasn't been making the waves that he was perhaps at this point last year. You know, we were talking last January about the fact that Manchester United were thinking about trying to sign him. And mm. at the time, I think we said, don't do that. It's a bit early. It's one, you know, he's had a really good season, but let's not explode into anything too drastic right now, especially for the prices that were being quoted. But he scores a really good hat trick here. A really nice sort of complete hat trick that people are looking at and going, oh, He can do all of the aspects of this forward play. But Porto were dreadful, first 45, from pretty much all aspects. Um, And it really took until uh, 40 seconds after the break, Evan Nielsen equalizes. Ten minutes after that, Stakio puts him in the lead. And there's no looking back at that point. Porto absolutely hit the accelerator. And they have the capacity to do that. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that this Porto side is, although it had some, some big hits and some big losses over the last couple of years... There's some real, you know, real talent in here as well. Galeno, Wenson Galeno has really sort of started to hit his stride. I really like Alan Varela. We talked about with Nathan on that South American Prospects podcast. There's there's a lot to like about this Porto side. And when they do get into this kind of rhythm, and I do like Toremi and Evan Nielsen up front together, I think they have a really nice thing going on between them. When they get cooking, they're still a very, very good side. And I I still make them favorites to, to get second in this group, even if Shakhtar were good today. Uh, and that leaves us with Leipzig against Sverna Zvezda or Red Star Belgrade. Plain sailing, to be honest. Although, you will add, all three of these Leipzig goals are sensational. Absolutely brilliant. David Raum to begin with. Xavi Simon scores probably the goal of the night across all games. Um and then Daniel Olmo wraps it up in the eight, fifth minute. Um, after Red Star pulled one back through some sort of very weird deflections in the box, et cetera, et cetera. But Leipzig had 27 shots and 10 on target, 66% possession. They were in real control and they continued to cook really nicely. They're having a quiet under the radar season. We talked about Dortmund right at the top. Leipzig are there or thereabouts as well. And there's some really special footballers in this side. You know, we talked about Castillo Le- Lequeba before when he was at, at Leon. We talked about Xavi Simons, who is absolutely setting the place on fire. But Lois Appenders having a really good start to his Leipzig career. They have depth in Sesko and Olmo and Werner coming off the bench tonight. They have players like Nicolas Seewald, who I really, really like. Fabio Carvalho, who's barely featured for them. There's a lot to like about the depth in this Leipzig side. And I think they've got what it takes to compete on a couple of fronts this season, and this felt like plain sailing for them, i thought
2: yeah nice it 's um well, you 've nailed your round up as usual mate, but um yeah it it did seem like that at half time i wasn 't so sure i was looking, I was looking through the scores um, looking to see if the, if there were any surprises around. I was like, oh, that's quite tight Only only a one goal lead, but yeah they 've gone and got the job done, um, Xavi Simmons. Another youngster. Another youngster that's going good, mate. Um, nice little theme we've had running through this, some of the stars of tonight and of Tuesday. Um with so many more years ahead of it. I'm excited to see what we get out of just the rest of this season, like the rest of these guys' careers. But yeah, it's been a very, very good night.
0: Honestly, Messi and Ronaldo have, have left the building and the the new trees are starting to take root and flourish. Yeah, aren't they It feels like, feels like everyone's like, ooh, tops available, let's go. Yeah, it's and funny actually exploded. like.
2: We started off talking at the beginning of the episode like, oh, it doesn't feel like there's any major storylines. And you start digging through it and you start talking through what you've just seen. And actually you're unearthing some, you're talking about these players and you're thinking, this is electric. Like the, the players that we're watching are just ridiculous. Some I mean, of the football we've just seen is sublime. And the moments there that we've just spent half an hour talking about, as, you know, have just come so naturally. It is like, okay, yeah, football's good. We're fine.
0: Yeah, football's good. Right, after the break, we're going to be talking about all Tuesday's action. Don't
1: go anywhere. Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favourite breakfasts, Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McRiddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just 333 or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba ba pa pa. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. price picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars just visit price slash play 100 and use code play 100 that's code play 100 at price slash play 100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars price picks daily fantasy sports made easy welcome back to champions league takeaway here on ranks fc where
0: we're going to go through Tuesday nights. Games pick out some of the highlights and the lowlights, I suppose, considering it wasn't the liveliest day of Champions League action. The two early kickoffs were pretty good, but the 16 in the evening, less so, I think. It, was, it wasn't it was the liveliest night. So we're hoping, <laughs> at the time recording, that Wednesdays will be better. But yeah. there were some big enough stories and big enough games. You're going to start us off tonight with Manchester United, who picked up their first win of the Champions League campaign. But... It wasn't all plain sailing, was it?
2: Yeah, we don't normally do this. We don't really split the recording into two different days. But tonight we are recording straight on the back of the Tuesday games and the Wednesday games. So as it is, I've just watched Man United uh, beat Copenhagen. And but the storyline will be um, that they were, they were saved by the villains of the season, really. Onana has been slandered. Maguire's uh, been smashed from pillar to post all season long. Uh, McTominay went through a bit of it as well. Uh, but Maguire's popped up with the goal and Nana's made a penalty save in the last minute that obviously is gonna, that's gonna be the headline. Um, and the, the commentator even went as far to say as, you know, as he made the penalty save and Bobby Cholton looking down uh, from the skies, uh, maybe helps United to this moment. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like it's a, it's an emotional moment here for Man United. It was a big evening, you know, lovely tribute to uh, Sir Bobby Cholton before the game. Uh, the first half did not live up to the Bobby Charlton, uh inspiration at, all. No, not at uh, all. Not at all. Like United were just poor. Never got going. And I have to say, like while all the talk for now will be about Maguire saving them with the goal and Onana saving them with a save, um, they weren't that good, mate. And they've won three games in a row now, and it's the most unconvincing three wins in a row. I've ever seen, potentially. I mean, we were talking here about absolute desperation almost because you've got a, a last-ditch moment against Brentford where they score two injury-time goals um, to, see, to see them off. Then you've got a 2-1 away win at Sheffield United, which wasn't that convincing. Um, and then here, you play Copenhagen at home in the Champions League, um, basically looking to try and show that you deserve to be in the competition. And you're dug out by your goalkeeper making a last minute, last second save uh, from the penalty spot. I mean, you could say, yeah, well, it shows they've got uh, a mental toughness about them and it and gives them good vibes. Yeah, maybe. But you could say if you watch the duration of all those three matches and judge them over 90 minutes, Man United are absolutely nowhere near it at the moment. And obviously going into a Manchester derby at the weekend, um, Yes, there there is a hope for them that they can take the, the results in into that Manchester derby and they can find some magic within this squad and that they're inspired because they've won three games in a row and they've come up with late moments to to seal matches, that they can do it. But I'm sorry, if you analyse the games, United are up against against that Manchester derby. But look, I, I don't want to be too harsh on them because they've won this match. But... I just think that it's covering over a a massive flaw, and it's that Man United just aren't good enough. I mean, they're they're barely worthy of being in the Champions League, to be honest, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it was a difficult evening, I think, for lots of it. And obviously, as you say, it was emotional. And the tributes before kickoff were emotional. We saw Harry Maguire speak really eloquently at the weekend about to Bobby Charlton and, and what he meant to not only Maguire himself, but to the club as a whole. There's a lot in this. And, and you know, you can imagine that wreath being piped in by the bagpipes and everyone, you know, the moment of silence being impeccably observed. All of it was a lot emotionally. And that will take a turn on the players. It just felt like there were some really strange decisions Now, as you say, they've won. So some of these decisions will be papered over, but, United were really vulnerable defensively, I thought, in the first half. They got caught out on the counter really early on when Copenhagen hit the post. And then, to be honest, didn't create very much. And it did look like Copenhagen were the better team for the majority of that first half. Ten Hag then pulled off Amrabat and he replaced him with Christian Eriksen and suddenly it was all Copenhagen again. And I was like, I'm not quite sure what he's trying to do. Now, Ericsson grew into the game and he started to control the game as United started to get a foothold. But to begin with, it left them incredibly open. And, you know, as we talk about, there's one thing United winning it is another thing, the fact that they probably should have been 2-0 down by the time that the first goal in this game was scored. And Copenhagen missed a few really, really good opportunities to make that happen. Anana made a brilliant save. And I'll come on to Anana because I think he was, for me, the main positive in this United performance. And Sometimes we discuss this kind of thing. When your keeper's your best player, you're probably looking at the defence and going, mm, not sure you've had the day of your lives here. And this isn't an attack, a Copenhagen attack that have been, you know, particularly potent in the Champions League. Yes, they took the lead against Bayern and they are very, very good at getting overloads at the back of the box. But generally, you're not looking at this and going, "Mm, I'm terrified of that attack. And the fact that Anana has had to make this penalty save in the last minute, the narrative, by the way, of Jordan Larson, Henrik Larson's son, missing a penalty at the Stratford end, is not lost on me, considering (laughs) the impact that Henrik Larson had at Manchester United. Mm. But that save at the last minute, and also a brilliant save just before United go 1-0 up. And you're just thinking, hmm... This isn't great, but Anana can take great heart from his performance. He uh, He did everything he was asked to do tonight. There were no obvious errors. And in a competition where I think he's taken the majority of the flack for performances, he's been mostly okay. I think in the Premier League, there have been some clangers, but mostly it's the Champions League ones that have really been held against him to come out with a performance like that. I saw Carl Anker tweet saying, Andre Anana, you are officially a Manchester United player. And it it, it did feel like a moment for him, the entire team getting around him and and celebrating that. And, you know, that is one-on-one, that's mind games, those are the moments. Mm. So maybe that is the launchpad for him. But I think that whilst that is a good thing, and obviously United's keeper is a very important area and one that's been under quite a lot of scrutiny, my question would be around the rest of this team, which still doesn't seem to be functioning in the way that Ten Hag wants it to. And... Yes, there are injuries. Yes, there are circumstances outside of football that have maybe not allowed Ten Hag to play his best team. But we are looking at United side that have looked best in transition. And the last time we were talking about that, we were talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and the fact that it had to change for United to start dominating games. And right now, I can't see it.
2: Yeah, I mean, Onana owed his teammates a couple of big saves. So um, it's good that he did have a good game because he, he was definitely do a big performance and he had to come up with a good performance soon to to show the wider United audience what he's capable of. I mean, not that many United fans would have watched him that many times before now. You and I might have watched Onana play elsewhere in his career. United fans wouldn't really, because they support Man United and that's all they really care about. So they might have heard of his reputation, but they need to see those big moments and finally, pulling out a couple of those is good for No, No, I say finally, he has made some good saves across the course of the season, but he's also made more clangers than he has big saves up until now. Look, if you're going to attack anyone from this performance, I'd probably be attacking the attackers. They are so unreliable. They're so unreliable. Like, I don't know if it's decision-making, whether it's confidence, whether they're just inept at the moment, but Rashford, Anthony even Garnacci, who I love as a player, but, you know, a chance going through on goal and takes this extra touch, which just didn't need and you thought he was going to just stick it away like you you would. Like, he's such a... He's a player that normally doesn't let um, other (laughs) doubts get into his head and it seemed like he did in that moment. And United have just had that. Their finishing's been poor for a long time now uh, in attack and there isn't really any signs of, of that changing. And when I say that you know, I don't trust United in terms of turning a corner, even after three wins in a row. It's because they don't have a reliable goal source. I like what I see from Hoyland. I think there were some good moments from him here again in his little touches and his, little, his positional play. But he hasn't scored. He still hasn't scored in the Premier League. And Rashford, still not on it. God, actually, I really like, but can't be relied upon yet. Anthony's inconsistent. And yes, yeah, it's just the same old problems. Like on the main episode this week, um, I led it by start talking about things I love and talking about Ange Postacoglu and how incredible it is that his philosophy has been mirrored in his players within nine matches. Here we are, like, you know, well over a season now of Ten Hag football and Man United are all over the place. Like, it's just not ingrained in this team at all. And, It's been a bit harder because like there isn't the consistency of selection available to him. You know, the pairings that they've got all over the pitch are very rarely the same players. So that's difficult. And they haven't ever had their full strength team available this season. But I can't fully use that as an excuse because there should have been an implementation now of his philosophy. I just don't feel it has been.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think last year there were plenty of signs of life, plenty of signs of progress. And actually the start of the second year has been almost a regression in many ways for Manchester United and, and Ten Hag needs to sort that out pretty quickly, it feels. But
2: what a great night, mate. What a great, great, night. great night. It's a 1-0 win. <laughs> many fans are listening to me saying, what's wrong with this bloke? What are you so down on us? Yeah, I'm just am not convinced that this is the future, but three wins in a row, you've got to take it for what it is.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I'm going to take us to Seville where Arsenal beat Sevilla 2-1 at sanchez one, And... My big take I have two big takeaways. One is that this was Gabby Jesus' night and it was absolutely glorious. Some of the things that he pulled out here were sublime. And my other big takeaway is that this is a performance that Arsenal showed their mettle again. Now, we talked a bit about the fact that when they played Chelsea at the weekend on Monday's podcast and when we we're looking back at the weekend... That whilst it was a pretty dreadful performance from Arsenal all round, actually the fact that they pulled out the draw from 2-0 down in the last 10 minutes is pretty good strength of character. And some more of that character that we've said that Arsenal needed to show to prove that they can hang with the big boys in these tournaments. And this was a different type of test, but it was one that I thought they they did really well in. So. Mm. It was a game that also had some emotion attached to it. The first time the sides have met since the death of Jose Antonio Reyes. And he was a good friend of Mikel Arteta's. We've read quite a lot about it. They exchanged jerseys. There was a moment for Reyes, which I thought was really, really nice between the two teams. And so there was that kind of over the top of it. But Arsenal started, I thought, really well. Uh, Martinelli probably should have put the 1-0 up pretty early on. And then Jesus just started coming into his own. And just before halftime he plays through the most sublime assist for Martinelli, who makes up for his earlier error by this time going round the keeper and starting at home. But it's Jesus' magic touch. Absolutely incredible. If you haven't seen it, please go and watch it. It's worth the, worth the highlights package on its own, although actually it gets better. Um, this touch just to free Martinelli, send him careering through on goal and he makes no mistake. A little you know, link up there between the two Brazilians as well, which is nice. But then... Jesus goes one better in the second half. He gets the ball, played out to him by Declan Rice, who also had another good game in an Arsenal shirt. And actually, those games are becoming consistent and regular. And it's rare now that you see him have a game or an off day in an Arsenal shirt, which is pretty good testament to the fact that they spent that much money on him. People aren't talking about it. People are just like, yeah, fine, no worries. He's putting in the performances that that kind of fee deserves. But he gets past the ball, Jesus, by... Declan Rice, and he's sort of squaring up his man far left of the box towards the corner flag. He stands him up, he goes around him, he whips one inside, and he curls the ball top corner into the other into the other corner of the goal. And it is just a sublime piece of individual quality. He's the first Arsenal player to score in three his first three Champions League games since Maril and Shamak which is about as high an honour as I can possibly mm. give him. What a man. What a man Schemach was. Um, but just generally, I, I, Jesus was was sensational. And, and the way that he brings others into play, Arsenal should and probably could have scored more in this game. Erdegaard had a couple of, of good chances that went begging. But it was all about Jesus. And the difference in this Arsenal side when he is back in the team and back on song is pretty remarkable, I, I think. And him stepping up today again in a difficult game, we saw Sevilla at the weekend hold Real Madrid 1 all at a Pith 1 and we saw them already starting to show signs that they're going to be a kind of tougher nut to crack under Diego Alonso, that they are going to go out and they talked about it, the fact that, you know, they're seeing games as a battle. They have to go in for each other. They have to go through the blood as Alonso said in his pre-match team talk and Arsenal were able to not only, you know, go tune it up, but then concede a goal and get back to the wall and see it out. And I was really, really impressed with them across the course of this one, because it would have been easy to collapse, I think, especially in that environment. Especially once you know the game felt quiet; it felt like they silenced the stadium. And suddenly, you go back. They get this equal. They get this. The goal to half the deficit, and Gedei heads in from a Rakitic corner. That is a worry. It's another goal that Arsenal conceded from a set piece this season. But they then dig in and they're able to see it out. And I was really, really impressed with the way that they did so. So credit to Arsenal. Credit to Arteta. Who also made some smart decisions. He took Saka off after about 70 minutes for the first time. <laughs> you were like, oh, thank God for that. And just protect that man at all costs. But yeah, I was impressed with Arsenal uh, on a couple of levels, but especially with Gabi Jesus. Who's sensational.
2: That's probably their second most uh, impressive win of the season, I'd say, behind the Man City win. That's got to rank as their next best. Um, in terms of just the result, but I haven't seen all. I've seen the like short highlights of it um, straight after the United game. But in terms of the performance that they've pulled out, by all accounts, they, they put a really good spell together at the start of the second half. Um, you're talking about individual displays and people crowing um, about the displays of Saliba and Gabriel and Jesus. You've talked there about Declan Rice. Um, Jesus, you know, he's... He loves the Champions League anyway. Uh, that's twenty-three goals for him in forty-one in the Champions League. Absolutely loves it. A Champions League monster, Gabby Jesus. Um but yeah, so, so that would be my big take. I mean, they go top of their group now, don't they? So that's that's a big moment for them. Uh being back in this competition was was not enough for them. They wanted to make their mark on it properly this season. And um they've done it and they're and Arsenal are, are properly back now. So they're, they're in there in, in title contention and now they're, they're in, um, they're in this conversation in the champions league and looking like they can make the knockout. So that's, that's a big step forward for, for Mikel Arteta and in what he's, he's looking to achieve here. Um, look, there's still going to be the, the balance that Arteta has got to get right here as we get, uh, towards uh, the second half of the season when it comes because i was writing today actually about aaron ramsdale and the whole um, saga around that and i don't think he's gonna go like there's a lot of talk about about ramsdale leaving in january and arsenal seem pretty insistent he's not going anywhere and i don't mm. think ramsdale's particularly going to kick up a fuss from what i understand so far anyway that's his opinion right now let's see if it's the same when we actually get to january but it's, it's actually pretty rare that goalkeepers move mid-season. It's also pretty rare, unless there's an injury, that a, a team actually needs a goalkeeper. And if you say like, okay, well, Chelsea want him. Well, yeah, Chelsea are interested in, in Ramsdale, but they have also got Robert Sanchez, and they're not just suddenly going to like throw him away and say, right, Ramsdale's now our number one. He would have exactly the same problem at Chelsea. He's got at Arsenal, he's got to compete for his number one spot. So to get back to what I was talking about, he's he's got to try and keep people happy within this squad now and, there will come a time when he's got to make a decision. Like Ramsdale's got to get games at some point, and they've got to. They're going to be other players um, within the Arsenal setup that, that are going to need minutes because the squad's depth is going to be tested at times. But now that they are looking to stay in the um, in Europe as well as go for the title, so. It's, this is a massive season for Arsenal, and I mean, if you're an Arsenal fan, I mean, you're relishing it. You, all those dark days you went through watching Arsenal fan TV and just becoming a being the laughing stock of football; those days are gone. The glory days are coming back, by the looks of things.
0: Yeah, very, very impressive from Arsenal. Um, my last takeaway from, well, last big takeaway at the very least, comes from Benfica nil, Real Sociedad one. Uh, Another bad result for Benfica. They have zero points after three games in the Champions League. And despite relatively good league form, this has not been a kind competition to them. Real Sociedad, though, have been away from this competition for 10 years. And yet, when it came to it and came to this, they're flying. They're having a really, really good campaign. They are top of Group D on goal difference ahead of Inter with three games played, and they'll look at this and think, cool, we've played away already at Salzburg and Benfica, got back-to-back wins. We drew one-all with Inter, and to be honest, should have won that first game at Anoeta. So I don't think they'll be particularly scared about going to San Siro to play Inter. And I think they'll be looking at this and thinking, this is very much within our grasp. They're four points clear of Salzburg um, and seven points clear of Benfica. And, and I think that the Champions League last 16 is a very, very realistic possibility here. I would say probability for Real Sociedad. But I just wanted to talk quickly about Bryce Mendes. He scored the only goal mm. of the game today. That's three in three for him. This is his first time ever in the competition. He joined Real Sociedad last year from Celta Vigo. And... He is loving it. Do You talk about Champions League monsters, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about Jude Bellingham when we do the roundup, but we need to talk about Bryce Mendes because he is quickly turning into one of the stories of the group stage. Real Sociedad are one of the stories of the group stage. And he is so brilliant in this system. And, and the way that this works and the way that Real Sociedad are, are set up at the moment under Alguacil, it's so, so impressive. And they're doing quite a lot of this without a kind of recognized number nine. Baron Achea, Uyathabal kind of dipping in and out of these areas. But Bryce Mendes breaking forward from that kind of number 10 role is doing a lot of work in there as well. And he's the one getting on the end of things. Now, Takikuba, we know likes to come inside from that right-hand side onto his left foot. He hit the bar again. There is very little that Takikuba can't do. I'm absolutely obsessed with him. Just watching him and i watching what he brings to a table on a regular basis for this side is just quite something and I think that it's only a matter of time before there is a massive massive offer on the table for his services and I've said it before but if Liverpool are looking for a long term salary replacement I think he's the closest thing that you could get to that kind of player who likes to cut inside off that right wing mm. take things on on his left foot and make things happen he is so so brilliant um, and he was, he was excellent again tonight but Mendes kind of moving forward into that gap that vacates because Oyathabel likes to drop deep. Baron Echea likes to come inside off his left wing, but you wouldn't say he's an out-and-out striker. He's played a little bit there. It just is a really nice sort of rotating front four. And they've been really, really brilliant. Now they've got a couple of options here. They have Umar Sadiq. Obviously, we saw them make a couple of signings in the summer in this area as well. Andre Silva, who hasn't really played very much. He's been beset with all sorts of issues. But just generally... I thought they were brilliant tonight. Um, And while Benfica huffed and puffed, it did feel like apart from the first 15, 20 minutes, Real Sociedad gained control of this. And I've been so, so immensely impressed with them. Uh, And Mendes in particular, who obviously is 26 years old now. He spent a good part of his early career at Celta, who was there, sort of broke through as a 21-year-old. And then suddenly was kind of here and you're like, ooh, okay, he's got this moment to kind of shine. And he scored, I believe, his debut in the Europa League again. And you might remember this, it was against Manchester United at Old Trafford, I think. Um, Mm. And now has gone to the Champions League and is shining again. And it's just another wonderful Spanish midfielder who people should have eyes on because he is a real, real talent and a serious footballer.
2: Mate, you've done well to watch three games in that much detail tonight. So congratulations to you. How did you manage it?
0: Well, I triple screened, um, <laughs> and then obviously there were six games. I triple screened. I assumed that you were going to be doing Manchester United, so I kept that on sort of via, via the the goal show, and then I had these two games on okay. different screens. Um, so, but I watched both of the early kickoffs as well. I want to just talk about them briefly, and we do as we do the roundup into one two one against RB Salzburg and. This was a really good game. Actually, both the early kickoffs were. This was a really good game. Alexis Sanchez scored the first goal of his second spell at Inter in the first half. And it's a really good assist from Davide Fratesi, who actually goes on to win the penalty for the goal that eventually wins into the game and sets up a third goal, which is ruled offside by the most, <laughs> the most fractional of margins. It's so, so small. Um, and he would have had a hat-trick of assists, which is a little bit of a shame, but... Um, But Salzburg were fun. And Oscar Gluck, who is someone we've talked about in this podcast before, because Sam really rated him after the under-19 European Championships last year. Um, He he shone at that tournament and he earned this move to Salzburg. First year wasn't great for him, but he scored a brilliant goal here to level it up. Um, And Inter sort of fought through it. They fought through a bad spell. They got the second goal. They nearly got a third and then they retreated into their shell a little bit. And they were a little bit lucky towards the end of this just to hang on. But you can see all of the experience just coursing through this inside when it comes to these kind of moments. And, and they got the job done. And the other one was Galatasaray, who lost 3-1 at home to Bayern, which sounds like a pretty routine victory. It wasn't at all. It was one of those performances that you watch Bayern, you're like, you're just a bit tepid. They had 15 really good minutes at the start. And 15 really good minutes at the end. And they made it count. Um, It was a really clever little move from Jamal Musiala that put Leroy Sane through. And he teed up Kingsley Coman to give him the lead. But then it was just all Galatasaray for like 60 minutes. And there was a couple of horrible misses uh, from from various players in this this Galatasaray side. Um, But they then won a penalty and it's a really good penalty. You should watch it. It's uh, Mauro Accardi, who, unfazed by the fact he missed a penalty against Manchester United, just Penenka's it. But it's the most (laughs) delicate Penenka you will see in a long time. It's really beautiful. He then has a couple of other chances. He has a header, which he probably should score, and another one that falls to him in the box. He rolls just wide of the post. Came out after the break. It was all Galatasaray. Again, loads of unease in this Bayern defence. They have sixes and sevens for lots of it, but eventually, just as it kind of looked like that group stage record was in real danger of falling apart, they worked the ball into the box for Harry Kane, who just chips it home at the second attempt. Kane has 17 goal involvements for Bayern already this season. And then minutes after that, he wins the ball on the edge of the box, plays in Jamal Musiala, makes no mistake. Three wins from three for Bayern. But they were made to work hard for this one. Um, And it wasn't a vintage performance from them by any stretch of the imagination, Galatasaray are going to be a real handful for anybody. And, you know, to go back to the Manchester United point, Gala play like this against Manchester United, I think they win.
2: Yeah, I watched the first half. um, And yeah, it felt like a bit of a game. I mean, Bayern basically scored with their first chance, didn't they? Um, Which seemed like an ominous moment. But um, Gala managed to get themselves back in it with the pen. And um, clearly it got away from them in the end, but you would expect... Bayern to to win a game like that. Bayern should be the favourites to to win this group. Um, but yeah, Galatasaray are definitely an interesting proposition for for actually managing to to get through here, and it, it definitely take keeps things lively. Let's say as we head into the latter stages of the group.
0: Yeah, let's roll up the other ones. Uh, Union Berlin lost one nil to Napoli. Nine games now, Union have lost in a row in all competitions, and they were a little bit unlucky here. They were the better side in the first half, by by all accounts, and the goal that undoes them is an absolutely sublime piece of skill from Gricha Faracelia, and he again stands up his man on the edge of the box, comes back to him at the second attempt, and he just skins Christopher Trimmel down the outside, works it in, keeps it in play. Nibbles down the byline. Do you remember there was a brilliant goal that Real Madrid scored a couple of years back, and Be- and Benzema sort of wiggled down the goal line, and then oh yeah, the yeah, back yeah and yeah. Isco scored yeah, yeah yeah pretty much like pretty much like a carbon copy okay. of that goal. Just brilliant from Faradona like living up to his nickname in <laughs> in fine style here. And is you know Jackmar Aspidori who who puts it away. He's stepping up as well in this absence of, of Victor Osiman. So. Yeah, I just thought that it was a nice one. It's nice to see Fischer back at his very best. He was brilliant at the weekend against Verona. He was good in that Udinese game just before the international break. And and now a match-winning performance here against Union Berlin. But again, the Union fans unveiled a banner, obviously playing at the Olympia Stadion instead of their homes, basically being like, we need our home ground as much as we need the air that we breathe. And another message sent to them by were well, sent to UEFA by the Union fan base. But they were still brilliant here. They made so much noise. The scarves along the wall of the Olympia Stadium is a sight to behold. Um, so, yeah, you know, shouts out to the Union fans who have not lost um, their love for their side, despite the fact that they are on probably the worst run across the entirety of Europe right now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, shouts out to the fans. Um, Romance ain't dead. No, uh, Real Madrid two one against Braga. Do you want to take a guess at who scored? Jude's back in there. <laughs> it's just it's just such a good goal. <laughs> and there's the goal to make it 2-0. Actually, the first goal is really good as well is. It's Vinicius in doing some really really nice bits and crossing for Rodrigo. And both of those players are a bit under the pump to be honest this season. I've thought and, and a lot of those play, a lot of people questioning how good they've been, but Vinicius absolutely does his man down the flank. He stops the ball and goes to almost standing position. And then when he explodes off that right foot, he's just uncatchable. He slides it across and Rodrigo does the rest. But the second goal is, is so brilliant. It's Vinicius again down that flank. He rolls it back for Jude. And Bellingham just sort of passes it into the corner. It's so calm and cool and collected. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's now, I think, 12 goals and three assists in 13 appearances for Real Madrid nice and stunning numbers stunning numbers braga made it hard actually and and credit to them because a lot of teams would crumble at 2-0 down to real madrid um they got one back and another really good goal really well worked and they made them work right for the end of this which is gonna be interesting in terms of what it has on the classico at the weekend and whether real madrid were able to really rest as many players as they maybe would have hoped for at 2-0 up but yeah um Jude, Jude again, he is him in so many, so many ways. Uh, Lons drew one all with PSV. And the goal that the Lons scored, the equaliser, is excellent. Actually, both goals in this game were really brilliant. Johan Bakayoko, who's had a bit of a tough time of it. He hadn't scored for a long, long time. And he's now got three in his last three for PSV. But he scores a brilliant goal, cutting off that right-hand side onto his left foot. Curls one into the far corner. But the equaliser is from Elia Wahi. And... He's on a bit of a streak of form as mm-hmm. well since joining Lons. And it was big shoes to fill, going into Lois Appender's shoes there. Um, and he did really, really well. It's a really good volleyed finish to, to make this one. So, yeah. shout out to Lons, because they've had a pretty tough start to the year in terms of their league campaign. It's pretty much opposites, right? PSV have flown in the Eredivisie. They've won every single game that they've played so far. Obviously, they play Ajax at the weekend. But Laurence have had a tough start in the league, but have done pretty well in Europe. They've drawn two and won one now. I think they're second in the group behind Arsenal. PSV have yet to win in, in Europe, and they were dragged back again here to one all. So, contrasting fortunes with these two in terms of their domestic <laughs> and European form. But, yeah, worth pointing out. Um, but, day before we go, mm. it would be unfair to not reference the biggest game that actually happened tonight, uh, which was the ranks FC derby in oh, yeah. the Southern Premier League. So for those of you that don't know, Dean and I both have non-league teams. Dean is an avid fan of Walton and Hersham FC. You might have heard him talking about them on the podcast. Whilst around the corner from me is Hamwell Town. And the two sides met tonight at the Power You got a bit day. excited, didn't you? And I got a bit excited because Hamwell took the lead. So before kickoff, Walton and Hersham were fourth and Hamwell were 14th. And I got a bit excited when we took the lead against them. Um, and I tweeted and texted Dean, only for Dean to say, well, it doesn't matter. We're a second half team anyway. Unfortunately, it came true. Two goals for Walton and Hersham. And uh, the Geordies, or the London Geordies, as Hamwell are known, were consigned to a 2 1 defeat in W7. Guy, absolutely gutted.
2: Yeah, I mean Horton and Hasham have got a bit of a reputation this season of being comeback kings, especially late in games. But yeah, you you did get a bit excited. Um you just sent the score, actually sent it to the rank squad WhatsApp group, so Sam got it as well. So Sam saw it and said, Oh my god, why isn't this on TV? Um you just sent the score line, didn't you? That little picture of of the I presume it's from like live score or something. What's from live score? Um, I said, Don't worry, we're usually better second half. Um And literally two minutes later, you're right back. Oh, you've just equalized. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And then, and that was Eddie Simon, super Eddie Simon for Walton Hersham. Then they bagged the winner. Yeah. Uh, well, mate, neither of us were there. We should have both gone to that, really. Maybe when it's at Wharton, could you yeah, please come?
0: If it's, at, if it's on a weekend, we'll make it happen. It's quite annoying that they decided to have a game this big and this gargantuan. That is a bit silly. On a it is a bit silly. Night because, you know, they knew that we weren't going to be able to cover both. Yeah. Um, little bit guy, but here yeah. we are. Here we'll, we are.
2: We'll, uh, we'll do a live pod from Wharton and Hersham against Handwell Town.
0: Well, I think, mate, that's all we've got time for. So the only thing left for me to do is say thank you very much to our transfer guru, everything guru, pal of the rank squad. (laughs) Mr. Dean Jones. Rank squad guru out. I've been Jack Collins' name of hearts. This has been your Ranks FC Champions League takeaway. Looking at all of the action across Tuesday and Wednesday in the Champions League this week. We will see you next week, gang. Take it easy. Peace final seconds of the game a chance to score and the chance has gone begging if your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities get the mvp you deserve get shopify shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide whether you're a garage entrepreneur or ipo ready Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward/ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/ranks.